0: what up folks i'm your host david huang and welcome to the third culture kingdom today we're going to be talking with devin lee entrepreneur mentor and business owner however i know he would much rather me tell you he's just an amazing friend brother and husband he's going to be dropping some gems so listen up you're listening to chaos essentials community So without further ado, today I get to introduce our guest for today, currently teaching the next generation on the, the foundations of life and entrepreneurship, owner at Waco Cha, fellow Baylor, alum, co-labor and ministry, visionary and leader, my friend Devin Lee. Welcome to the Third Culture
1: Kingdom, brother. Thanks, man. Glad to be on
0: it. Yeah, yeah, no, I've been super excited to, uh, yeah, have you on so that we could chat. Um, have you been in the past few months in the midst of everything that's been going on?
1: Uh, it's been a roller coaster. Uh, some part of it has been, uh, I mean, very, very difficult. And part of it has been also we're able to just have some, even have some our best in innovations uh, during this time. Uh, so it's been a, it's been a ride, uh, but it's been, it's been good. Uh, we've been uh, on the forefront of things. And so, so we're doing great
0: man man yeah that's super super good to hear because um it almost seems like so many times within chaos you know either you know we can take on that burden and break down or you know like you said you know a lot of creativity and um innovation can be channeled during that time so uh today today we're diving into the topic community um something you know that people always want, or I believe that people always want, um, but I think in the midst of COVID and the chaos of 2020, it's emerged not just as a desire, but something that people are realizing is a necessity. So, um, you know, how would you really define community?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, community i define as a place of belonging, um, and, and then all should have a spot or have a seat at the table. Um, so it's also a place for people to be themselves, a place where they can feel empowered and, um, and also a place of rest and a, a place of uh, a comfort. Um, and also a place where people can express who they are, uh, either culturally or racially, or, um, or it, you know, intellectually, uh, even spiritually. Mm-hmm. In any way to express themselves and express uh, who they who they are really uh, so really a, it's like a safe place but also a place where uh, where they get empowered man yeah
0: that's good that's good um, before we really start diving in I'd love to hear you talk a bit about yourself your background and, and your family
1: yeah so I am um, this immigrants kid I uh, grew up in China uh, in Guangzhou, where it's like close to Hong Kong. I uh, lived there until the uh, age of 13. I came to America and moved to Houston, uh, went through middle school, high school in Houston. And then, you know, of course, came to Baylor. Um, I came to Baylor to study engineering. Uh, honestly, I was actually gonna transfer out after a year because I, you know, Asian parents, they care about the ranking of the school. It's almost like uh, whether the school is well-known or not will determine the outcome of your life. Mm. Um, So, but then I, that summer before senior year of high school would, you know, um, somebody share the gospel with me and then they uh, started going to church and I would play basketball and, you know, like an Asian American church. And there's always free lunch, um, free basketball afterwards. So, and as a place to hang out. So that's where I heard about Jesus and got mentored and um, I was just really at a low point in my life and kind of lonely and there's finally somebody's pouring into my life for the first time. Um, because, you know, coming from an immigrant's family, sometimes it could be a little distant or emotionally unavailable. So that's why I felt invested in and felt loved the first time and it's something i look forward to in life uh every week um, but that's when i discovered you know the gospel and then and i decided to give my life or my put my faith in christ um and then you know it was senior year so i was you know everybody's wondering what school to go to and at that point i was like oh i heard about baylor as a christian school baptist school Um, and also I didn't have to write Baylor sent me something in the mail saying I don't have to pay for (laughs) applications (laughs) I remember giving the dollar to the counselor to mail my transcript giving the dollar to her and she mailed it in and also I didn't have to write an essay either (laughs) come on (laughs) (laughs) that's a a sweet deal man It's, it's like no effort so I just sent in a transcript and then Somehow I got in, and you know, plus I was a you know new Christian at that time. I was like, well, this this might work, you know. But then I was like, man, I'm just gonna go there for a year, see how it is, and then transfer to UT Austin, mm-hmm. you know, try to do good, try to do good in school, get a GPA, and transfer it over to another school. Um, but then, you know, but my Baylor years were was pretty transformative, and I had a lot of fun during my first year. And then, I was, and then I forgot about transferring <laughs> <It became the laughs> next, next year when I came back, you know, when you, by the end of the school year, you're like, say, say bye to your friends and you're like, see you next year. Uh, so by the time th- the fall came around, you know, I forgot about transferring because you're going to get ready to see your friends, you know. Um, anyway, so I uh, went to Baylor, study engineering, uh, worked for about two years in Houston and transfer back um didn't really feel like engineering where the corporate life was for me um i felt always com- felt confused about my career because mm. i just felt like um like is this what life is like yeah um, or i mean i have i have ambitions in my in my heart Mm-hmm. But then there is that great confusion, like, is this what life is like, basically? Mm-hmm. Um, so struggled for a few years, and then I became a teacher, which ended up really working great, because I just love, because my high school years were kind of rough, you know, being immigrant and, and um, uh, going through pu- puberty and all that stuff, and culturally, you know, adjusting between two cultures. Yeah. Um, so, so I really had a heart for high schooler because it's one of my, I guess, toughest, tough, some of the toughest years in my life. Um, so that teaching ended up great. Like I felt like I was. Ever since I became a teacher, I felt like I stopped working mm-hmm. for the first time. I felt like it was just something I could do forever. For you know, I found I thought that was it, and then until. Uh, A few years later, I, you know, didn't realize I had this entrepreneurship thing going in my heart and I, Mm -hmm. you know, started Waco Tribe French Market and then it just kind of something I just kept growing it while working as a teacher. Eventually, my interests changed again. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, career-wise, my interests changed from a teacher and I became, became an entrepreneur. But, you know, I still love mentorship. I still love. Education, uh, educating minds, and um, so those things. So, uh, but yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, that's thanks for sharing that. Um, You kind of mentioned a couple times about um, you know how you know during these different stages of your of your journey, you know, there were different, almost like pains. <laughs> um, yeah, stages where you're like, man, I'm trying to like find, you know, where I fit in, um, and so kind of go into that a little bit. Um, you know, could you dive into maybe seeking, finding, and like creating community during maybe some of these different times? Maybe, for example, like you said, high school, one of them. Like, it's kind of interesting that you mentioned, you know, the hooping part, just because like. I I used to also play basketball in high school, but I also like felt really out of place with my high school team as well. Um, Yeah. But, you know, we'd love to hear about, yeah, kind of what uh, some of that process was like for you, seeking and finding and and creating community, community.
1: yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, creating community is not even like, almost like right now, it's like a fancy word almost, Mm -hmm. Um, especially, you know, being a little town in Baylor, or not Waco. it's just almost like a fancy war, but it's pretty basic biology where <laughs> human, human need belonging. Right. And then, I, but it's the, the ability to create it. I felt like it's something that's lacking in American culture. Hmm. It's not built in. And then, and I'm not saying Asians have figured it out, but right. surely we, we have some, some, it's kind of something built into our culture. So we just always eat, always hang out. We'll always visit each other and, give each other gifts and um so uh, i guess in high school i mean high school everybody's trying to survive right that's and, right you know, <laughs> every, er, er, no any any high school is just trying to survive their life and and so that's the truth so that, man. Was, that was surely me but so i i, I even made a facebook post about the other day because somebody asked me why do you like marketing so much or why do you like why does it even interest you? And I told her, well, it was also realization, you know, we could, you know, marketing is about words and also expressing a feeling. And I said, as a, and I realized in being in high school, I didn't quite have the language, you know? Yeah. So a lot mm-hmm. of times I have to use other creative ways to express that sense of feeling, Hey, like, we're tight, right? We're, we're, you know, we can be buddies, you know, we can <laughs> hang out. Yeah. Um, those kind of things. So um, so back, back in high school, I guess it's a little tougher because I had less choices, you know, because of my language limitations. So it was more with other immigrants, kids like, like myself, who came from China and those kind of things. Um, but that's why it was so hard for me at first because I didn't really quite have it. Because for me, I always had this entrepreneurial adventurous wanting to become different. Mm-hmm. Uh, that spirit in me. So I always I never really liked being with, you know, in Asian American culture, they call it the Bobs. I never just want to be with the, the kids who just came from China or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because I want I to blend into the American culture. I want right. to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. So I always had that interest mm-hmm. of uh you I mean becoming American almost?
0: Right. No. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, me as well. Then I
1: quick. Yeah. Then I quickly realized me and the Asian Americans don't really quite get along either. Yep. And and I learned that ABCs turn to not associate. I, I really actually realize any kind of second generation uh, that's non-white, uh, you know, people of color, usually tend to have a harder time wanting to be with people who, who were just you know, like themselves mm-hmm. yeah. you know the, 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 the gap between the first gen and the immigrant and the first gen sure and so that was something that I realized okay well I can't really count on the ABCs mm-hmm. and um,
0: do, do you want to define that real quick? Just uh, ABC what that means?
1: American born Chinese or Asian Taiwanese. Right. right. Yeah. Just that for that the people that don't know out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so a lot of my community actually came from the basketball court because of mm. being in high school, I really love uh, uh, playing basketball. So, um, so I actually had more community with Hispanic and black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because I, didn't really quite want to spend all my time with, you know, the American, the Chinese born or mm-hmm. foreign born people, mm-hmm. because I want to learn the language. I want to learn the culture and want to belong to the majority culture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Or be just to be with American kids. Sure. And yeah. so a lot of it, I couldn't really find it at school. So I found a lot of that in, in basketball on the basketball court, Yeah. Uh, where I received a lot of the sense of belonging from those people. Okay. And you know, there's a the common objective our love for basketball, our love for sports, and those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. um, we, I, I that's yeah, that's kind of where I found the most, yeah, in high school, high school at least,
0: right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, could you maybe uh, talk a bit about what that transition was like into college then, like in and kind of what yes. that looked like?
1: Yeah, so college. So I shared that before on my social media about like me changing my name, you know, because mm-hmm. my Chinese, my Chinese name is Li Tong, like, mm-hmm. you know, tongue, kind of like, you know, the word tongue, uh, it means to gallop like a horse. Most mm-hmm. of the time it's described as a gallop of a horse or describe a rocket ship, you know, going up to the sky, you would use the word tongue. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 but then a lot of time when I first came to America, a lot of American people had, uh, had trouble pronouncing the word tongue or when they read "T" and G, they would say Tang. And so mm-hmm. a lot of time for a long time, I just, Oh, I'll just go with it. You know, you call me Tang. So yeah. I started calling myself Tang. Right. And, you know, I, I basically changed my name without me realizing. Yeah. And you may right now it sounds kind of silly, but then and as a high schooler, you just want to survive. Right. And uh, especially for immigrants kids yeah so uh but in high after high school you know i was going to prepare to go to Baylor. so you know what i am gonna create a new me i am finally this is my chance to become american um so uh for a while i know i really loved watching the nba and um dallas Dallas mavs had this player named devin harris and i
0: okay i remember devin uh, harris (laughs)
1: Yeah, I like how he played, and I thought he was cool, and um, he was pretty good at that time, you know, 30 points per game, kind of deal. Um, So I was like, hey, I like the name Devin, Um, the word Devin. So I was like, I'm going to go with that name. Um, Because, like, I'm actually glad because Devin isn't quite as, you know, a lot of Asians are a lot of Kevins. (laughs) You know, and okay. I don't want to be a Kevin.
0: Right, right. You
1: know? And um, also, a lot of Devons are either white girls or black boys. So okay. it, I, mean, I thought it was quite unique. Okay. Um, so okay. It ended up working great for me, so I had a good choice. Um, <laughs> so I, so coming to Baylor was kind of my shot of uh, creating a new identity for myself in new mm. life. Yeah. Um, because the good thing about High college is that nobody cares what you did in high school hmm. Nobody cares what part of the organization you're in or how much you made on the SAT or those things is college is great in that sense of like everybody just starting over sure yeah and, and plus Baylor had this great pretty good atmosphere as far as like you know welcoming and uh, at least you know on the surface sure and so it was great place to for me to start over um so pretty much college was like my first time being with the white people and americans i'm like this is awesome um so yeah yeah
0: yeah no that's 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 really uh insightful and i really resonate with what you kind of said about the name thing which is really i think i think we don't recognize that so many times right just like the power of a name you know you're just like there's almost uh, connectedness with, you know, origin and um, like just, you know, who you were made to be sometimes or or, I don't know, and almost like having that, almost like kind of trying to get away from that um, is something that, I don't know, it just seems like the world just starts like putting all these different things on you, or like labels or names, and you're just like, "Oh, like who am I really? Who am I really? Who am I really?" Um, so, um, no, definitely resonate with that, and uh, appreciate you sharing that. Um, so, kind of after your college experience, you, you mentioned about you know becoming an engineer for a couple of years, and then you know in your heart being like. I don't know if this is really for me. Um, yep. You know, you, you went back to Waco. Uh, what what happened after you went back to Waco? Um, you know, what did, uh, what came about through, you know, Waco Cha, why did you start it? Um, how did it come to be?
1: Yeah, um, so, part of the reason why I didn't like living in Houston or moving to a bigger city again, because it just felt lonely. And hmm. because the level of community, post-grad is hard because people have to realize sometimes I have events at Baylor and I always you know when I get to speak a little bit in front of like you know even Asian organizations at Baylor and I told them like you you pressure like definitely treasure the community you have now because soon you won't have it again hmm. and um so the reason why wanted to move by Waco first of all was because my wife you know ja hmm. uh we were just we just started dating uh, we we're like a year in so i wanted to move back to be with her and partially i didn't like being an engineer didn't, didn't like the corporate life as much and then um so coming to back to baylor i still had all the friends there hmm. and also having wake having baylor around and i just felt i was i was just kind of like dying inside being in a bigger city by myself yeah and so coming to Valley, Waco was kind of helped me with that a lot um but mainly it was Jada so it's, it's, yeah so and then we came back to so I had a great amount of community in, in Baylor at least I thought I had hmm. and but either way it's easier to reach talk to other people other humans sure um and being away waco- in houston i felt just like a number driving around the on the highway everybody just kind of and it, it was not good for my mental health yeah um yeah so and then we end up coming to uh i come and up moving back to waco i was still working as an engineer you know just trying to job whatever job i could find to be with john because we're talking about like being married and stuff we're getting engaged and those kind of things Uh, and also long and um, yeah so who would have thought uh, just post-grad community just hard regardless so yeah so it wasn't as great as i thought after i moved back it was much better but it was not as easy by any means Um, so we still struggle with that and you know by default we would try to find community in you know from church mm-hmm. um you know by being part of like young adults ministry those kind of things mm-hmm. yeah. but once again like i said young adult life is just hard yeah regardless where you are mm-hmm. um it, your life just different so uh that was kind of still kind of difficult um but that was like 2015 and you know just kind of getting prepared to 2016
0: uh-huh.
1: and yeah that's you when you and I met too. So, right. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Um, so after we met, I remember you were still teaching and then almost a couple of years later, you know, uh, yeah, you know, Waco Cha kind of started from the farmer's market, um, at least from my understanding. Um, and then, yeah, has kind of progressed, uh, you know, through various iterations since then. Um, yeah. Could you, could you tell us more about, um, you know, Waco Cha and kind of, um, yeah, the foundation, the vision behind it and also, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. how, uh, community is something that y'all are really trying to embody inside of, um, the organization.
1: Yeah. Um, so, First of all, Wei Ko was trying to solve the problem not having good boba tea. So, <laughs> because, because, you know, for so many years when I was at Baylor, there's no good boba tea. And, Me too. <laughs> uh, sure, like there were some bubble tea places, but then it was just kind of powdery and those kind of, you know, this ain't it type of deal. Um, so that was just one thing we said, let's do boba tea and I think it could work. Um, another part of it so there's a few pieces that really important pieces kind of became our motivation mm-hmm. so part of it is just simply as getting boba tea to waco right and then another piece is like there was no good boba tea so you can have boba tea but that they're a lot of powdery and you know artificial powder and it just just doesn't taste good mm-hmm. um so that was the second fold third fold which is me being a teacher um because m- uh even before we were entrepreneurs, uh, Jada and I really loved, like, just really felt inspired to be a part of the downtown development. So we ended up buying a house mm-hmm. uh, by Cameron Park, and we just want to live here. And we did a downtown tour, and we're just always involved. Like, so there's a new store. Like, for example, right now, there's a new Indian restaurant opening okay. in Waco today. today oh. Openings. Yeah. Uh, right. And then, so we were so we were like, oh, we want to go there and try it out. So we were always eager to try out what's new, what's new. like. Mm-hmm. And I think the Waco had that going for a little bit, just like, you know, everybody was just opening up things. And, you know, uh, so so we were really involved in, you know, as a teacher, I talk about my life, you know, what we did over the weekend with my kids. And mm-hmm. so I think a lot of us, uh, one day, one class, in one of the classes, I just talk about what I did. I talk about how I visit this new business, mm-hmm. and my kids just kind of no. I never heard of these places, and um, and I name my other name, draw the few other businesses. And they're like, no, nope, nope, never heard of them. You know, mm-hmm. the majority of my kids are Hispanic, mm-hmm. so part of me was just kind of in a shock. It's like how it's almost like like as an agent, you never had deemed something. The, that kind of <laughs> yeah, like those right. kind of things so it's like how is it possible he say, well and they don't know what to say either and we just don't right. go to these places and mm-hmm. then and one came on those places are for white people and, and mm. our parents our parents don't go to there and um mm. and and then and i asked like have you been to this really famous place and then most of them say no we've never mm. been um uh, So I was very sad that day, and it just felt like it's not so much sad for them, but also realize uh, it's part of our journey, a part of our experiences, uh, even at Baylor. Sure. You accept that we got used to it. We become desensitized, and then we became um, just became better at it. And navigating in in you know majority places there they, that we don't feel represented in. Sure. And mm-hmm. and so it became you know almost like a sad reality. Like, well, I surely understand because uh because I could go to a, like a coffee shop, or whatever, and I first thing I think is any people of color they what they do is scan around. Mm-hmm. Does anybody look at me? And then. So like survival instinct, is like, okay, do I feel belong? Do I feel safe here? And and so anyway, so just after – that's kind of the third piece is like, what if I design something, a place that, space that people can feel uh, accepted or, uh, you know. Um, but there, I learned a lot, a lot of lessons in that mm-hmm. um, because at first, for example, with our marketing, I, I just thought, oh, maybe I'll just put some, you know, different color people of different colors on on the social media feed uh mm-hmm. so people who's not just one type of people um so there's i had a fun experiment lessons in that i, I know i have kind of changing topic a little bit but like one day i remember this post that way coach had already happened I've been in business for quite a few months mm-hmm. and i asked them how oh, do you think about social media so it's kind of waiting for a pat on the back it's like good job man and and it's the same uh these three hispanic kids were like um looks pretty white to me and i whoa was like and i got started getting offended i was like what do you what, what do you mean Right. Like I was like, did you see a Hispanic person here? Did you see a Black person here? Did you see an Asian person here? Right.
0: And right. then
1: and then he said, mm, they still look pretty white. I was like, define it. it could tell Right. Me. Right. I was. I, was, I mean, at that point, I was getting offended. Uh, I offended. And right. I was like, well, tell me what you mean by white. Yeah. Yeah. They said your. He said that your pictures look too nice, too too fancy. Hmm. And then I was like. How 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 do I not? Right. How do I not look? <laughs> <laughs> are, are you saying I need my photos need to look worse quality or less quality? Sure. And, yeah, and he's, I mean, he's just giving a, you know, like a high school kid, tenth grade sure. or ninth grade. Right. Right. And then, and then and then they're like, they nod it, yeah. Oh.
0: <laughs> I was
1: like, it's like, well, I was like, that's not great. I I'm not gonna down down my quality, sure. my photos to right. become. And it doesn't work out, right? So, even though he just, you know, said it like that, I got what he meant. Hmm. I realized there's this sense of, um, there's a need for this empowerment involved. Like diversity is not just oh, I'm just gonna just put a black person and put a Hispanic person, sure. like, right? Like we have a safe place now. Now we have a place where I can feel accepted now, or that kind of thing. So I realized, okay uh, I do, I need to do a whole lot more than just finding people that look different or look right. like myself. Right. And I realized like, first of all, I'm not going to down down my quality, of my photos, I'm right. not going right. to go f- find an old phone yeah. and take a picture with right. it. Right. But then I realized I need to be more strate- strategic and more intentional about doing these things, Right. about inviting people into the community that we're building. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but you know, ever since then, ever since that incident, I, we have seen a dramatic increase in uh, uh, like our Hispanic following because we're, we were really intentionally trying to uh, kind of draw draw the Hispanic people into our product. Because, it, because first of all, we believe in the product, but we also believe that uh, because growing up, uh, like and being Waco as young adults, we love going to this Mexican dessert shop. And then it kind of reminded us a little bit like a Taiwan, you know, the fruit and the you know popsicles and mm-hmm. different kind of like dessert. Yeah. And I just ha- had this gut feeling in my in my gut feeling that the Hispanic people would love boba, mm-hmm. uh, and then even like the chewy texture, I think Hispanic people would love it. Uh, so we're just it just maybe because my student as well, and they were just our first intentional reached population and uh so we changed a lot of strategy we uh, asked some of our teammates to kind of draft this like hispanic uh caption uh and those kind of things and uh but ever since then i mean, we've seen as things have changed mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's kind of how we try to reach the hispanic community or how we b- try to build a community
0: yeah yeah definitely that statement itself or that story really like for one it hits me and it also makes me sad right and as as it, as you said you know how it made you sad in the fact that almost like for some reason the quality of that photo like was associated with like the descriptor word of like being white
1: yeah. like yeah that, and then the- i actually have to ask like a a Hispanic community leader. Right. It's like, tell, tell me, explain to me, why do these kids see it that way? Right. And and then, so, I realized part of it is is they're internal. It's nothing that other people did. Sure. It's because some of them, well, this Hispanic leader, community leader told me, a lot of us grew up in neighborhoods where they're just a convenience store, gas station, Mm -hmm. That's it. So he said, some of us have this mentality that this is us and everybody else outside of us is them. Mm -hmm. So, and I said, even though you're Asian, they, we kind of get categorized as part of them. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's why it's more than just putting a Hispanic person on there.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Um, man. Yeah. So much good stuff. And, and that's almost, I think part of what you said is what I think we see, right. A lot of times in businesses or in organizations or, or even individuals. Right. I think that there's like a misunderstanding of, of, you know, how to actually, um, you know love people and create you know authentic community um in the fact that like people want the the fruit of you know having diversity but people don't want to put in the work of actual relationship of actual um you know intentionality of actual um you know transformation and adjusting um of culture which sometimes involves you know t- uh, digging up you know former culture and and you know putting it aside so um no i I love what you said there man um really 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 good stuff um a parallel question to that kind of is you know that was kind of how you know you tried to integrate and uh uh integrate the concept of you know community and you know build relationship within uh waco cha you know what did that kind of look like within the classroom
1: uh, when I'm teaching?
0: Yeah, when you're teaching. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so teaching at an inner school, inner city school, there was not, I mean, part of it, they're already automatically a community, mm-hmm. uh, but in some sense, kind of unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of unhealthy things out of the community. So for example, uh, there's not much empathy. There's not much mm-hmm. like, uh, it's. there's a lot of negative sides of community. There could be a lot of I know sometimes you know teenagers like to play around, make fun of each other and kind of things. But sure. there, but there also needs to be empathy. There's also need to be encouragement. Um, so if one thing, which I learned from myself is that, which I learned a lot of generational differences. And so for me, being a teacher for four or five years, I realize this gen z i think they're called gen z gen z's are the most most incredibly creative population wow. like the current the current teenagers in the early 20s 2021 20, 22 they're the most creative crowd and i mean have you seen what they have done on tiktok and things that are creating <laughs> and, i mean it's requires a different energy mm. so um so for me as a teacher, so that's why I almost recommend every kind of leader or entrepreneur to become a teacher for a year or two hmm. uh, because you learn an incredible amount of uh, lessons on leadership and how to foster a psychological safe place for hmm. people because teenager will directly respond to you what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong and whether you you're a, you're full of BS or you're authentic. And because the, this generation, not only they're created, they're also able to measure and sense the authenticity that people have. Mm. So one, you know, I learned things through mistakes. So one of the things I learned was that, so at the beginning of my teaching, I shamed a lot of my kids mm. unknowingly. I think I shame was probably... Because I, you know, first year, first two years of my teaching was like, you know, I was insecure. I was, didn't have my lessons, going, you know, have all together. Sure. So shaming was kind of my defense mechanism to secure my space. Sure. So I would, I would shame them a lot. Um, but deep down, I still love them. And the kids right. know when they're authentic or not. But I did use quite a amount of shaming uh-huh. in, in them where like, I roasted them or th- those kind of things, even though it's kind of fun. Sure. But then later on I realized mm-hmm. roasting is actually was not healthy. Hmm. And I was not, I was not displaying what a true healthy, uh, leadership is like mm-hmm. and which I learned that from being a leader. Now mm-hmm. at my company, I, you know, I would do ne- something I would never do. And part mm-hmm. of it is because of my experience with teaching and, um, hmm. So, yeah, that's why I think, even though I'm not a teacher, well, might not be a teacher anymore in the few, next few years, but I still wanna dedicate, uh, part of my life is to mentor people because I realize, you know, which I don't wanna to touch too much, just kind of like the failures of our education, but, or imperfections of our, our education system and, and how it's not really long-term thinking position Mm. these young people for success i just rather short term get them to graduate and just very fine-minded you know mindset Mm. um but that's, that's another topic for another day
0: yeah yeah no definitely um just to dig into that a little bit um like outside of you know kind of like you said making fun of or like roasting some of your students like what maybe was is maybe another example of like Oh, like shaming. Cause I think we, we like hear, we, we hear that word sometimes. Right. Um, you know, oh, like we shame somebody, but like, yeah. Could you give another example of kind of like, you know, what that looked like or where that, where you felt like uh, that, that happened? Yeah.
1: I think as a teacher, sometimes there are different things that we don't emphasize, infac- we don't feel secure in. Right. And then we would say something harsh words okay, to attack back, to sure. protect our, our, authority or whatever so so we don't look like the bad guy sure and um and that's also one thing i learned as a leader most of the time is your fault Hmm. most of the time if kids don't really understand the material it's kind of the teacher's fault Hmm. i think uh even coming from working with other older teacher even working with a generation above and the baby boomers like you know 40 50 60s I learned that there's a lot of shaming from them hmm. and I, so that I mean, again, that's another okay. topic for another day on sure. education, but right. yeah. I, there's a lot of unhealthy okay. from the, sure. the elite teachers too. Right. So. No,
0: gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, help health, creating healthy community, you know, empowerment, um, doing the work, breaking shame. <laughs> um, And, uh, yeah, and and almost creating a foundation for people to to belong. Um, So uh, uh, kind of one of the final questions, you know, have going on uh, for you is, uh, you know, what advice would you give to people, you know, trying to foster, you know, places of belonging for other people um, or for people that are actually trying to find community? You know, what what would you uh, tell them? Advise them in that with. Um,
1: Well, of course, they're like they're the typical generic answers, you know, get involved in those kind of things, and um, (laughs) but it's just to. I think there's a lot of inner work. Uh I, I think moment like this is a time for inner work and especially a lot of pain Ooh. and and it's how you process that pain because so for example one of the books that really made an re- incredible impression in my mind last year was reading Victor Frankl's uh work on uh, man's search for meaning hmm. it's basically his uh pretty much like a diary of how he survived the Holocaust in the wow. concentration camp um, he was one of those therapists psychologists that uh, you know his whole family got caught in concentration camp you know lost his family and, and then witnessing his campmates getting you know taken away or killed left mm-hmm. and right and and somehow he uh, got recognized by the Nazis, and because you know, it's kind of funny because Nazis they said there's a high level of suicide rate, suicidal rate, and then somehow he just had favor from from the you know, uh, concentration camp uh, leaders or soldiers, whatever they would you know, talk to him and then realize he's a very wise man, and then he would get they would get like help mental health huh. from from this guy wow uh, and then over time somehow he got recommended to the upper level uh, leadership of nazi's constitution can just saying hey we had this high level of suicidal rate mm-hmm. why don't you help us wow and it's kind of ironic kind of ironic so why don't you help us to you know get this going so in nala diary he has written a lot of his journey he realized uh, those people that lose lose their will the quickest are basically the ones that they just haven't discovered their meaning in life. So a lot of times wow. the people who lose, lose their will the quickest are the ones who are just living for pleasure. So for example, he, uh, like Sigmund Freud, the psychology would talk about uh, the man's greatest search in life is pleasure. You do things so you can have more pleasure. You're mm-hmm. just longing for that pleasure. So he was just saying, he disagrees. He said, only, people only look for pleasure when they have no meaning in their life. In other words, they kind of just bury themselves under all this pleasure because they don't have any purpose or don't have meaning.
0: Mm-hmm. So he,
1: basically he's saying um, the general rule of thumb is that whenever you're suffering, if you just create a meaning out of your, your suffering, it will create a way better outcome. You become more more resilient to suffering in your life. So another example, he after he got out of concentration camp, he met with this uh, widow, this guy who lost his wife due to sickness, and he said, "I'm just really depressed. Uh, like I just lose my uh, lose my will to live. Continue to live." And then he's he's well, and he's like he just simply asks this question. He's like, if you're, uh, let me think if I said it right. If you're, let's say. Let's say your wife is alive, and you are dead. Uh, I, I don't want to butcher the word, but it's like basically, if you're you're dead, but then your wife's alive. You know what does that, uh, what does that make you feel, or or whatever? How does that help you? change the situation or what meaning can you draw from it? Sorry, I'm kinda of butchering the word, I forgot the exact words. Mm-hmm. But he basically just saying, how does that change the situation? Let's say you're you're dead and your wife's alive. And then he's like, well, I kind of feel like I'm saving her from all the grief and 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 mm-hmm. uh saving helping her not to go through the process the pain that because I know there's she would not have been able to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sparing, I'm sparing her from dealing with all the pain. And somehow uh, I can send you the exact words, the exact uh, story later on, mm-hmm. but somehow that delivered him from overcome this sadness because mm-hmm. he cr- creating a new meaning is that me being alive, spare her from all the pain that she will have to go through. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, anyways. So, I mean, it's kind of like, weird to think about but uh but his general rule of thumb is that in the midst of pain um we just find out the you know meanings and there's actually a whole uh part like 10 or eight or to 10 principles mm-hmm. that i have um that i have gone through wow uh, through it and okay
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: maybe we'll have to you we'll have
0: to share those sometime um but uh man that's 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 some tough stuff to wrestle with in, in just um yeah recognizing that in the midst of these times you know kind of press into the pain push for purpose figure out you know what is the what is what's happening in your life and and in in that narrative and also like in the greater narrative Um, so um, yeah really good stuff thanks so much for sharing that Um, I've kind of been asking this question um, just to kind of (laughs) close Um, I've been asking the other guests in this series uh, this closer question but uh, what is the last thing you had for dinner
1: (laughs) what was the last thing I had for dinner
0: yes the last meal you had for dinner Uh,
1: yesterday Jesse and I made some Asian Korean tacos uh and we use some ground beef and use some like ta- korean seasoning and make some tacos
0: <laughs> okay okay um <laughs> it's really funny because oh yeah man uh oh, that's that's good that's good it's, it's always good to have some sort of uh thing that you just throw together and also um that fusion that fusion sounds really good um yeah. Good stuff good stuff I think I just had leftovers the other day but um, yeah uh, how uh, or do you have any last words for listeners out there and uh, how can people contact or connect with you
1: uh, yeah you can uh, feel free to follow my Instagram handle I post a lot of my thoughts um, um, because my thirty one of my goals in thirty has been to empower people inspire people to think strategically and emotionally uh with strategically and also logically um kind of just able to process what's going on around the world you know especially with the election coming up and the world uh, is changing and the country is changing i just want to not that i have anything figured out but just kind of think through things from a very strategic Mm -hmm way of looking at things yeah Um, and just putting their emotions aside and because right now uh social media and all these things are created they're kind of well designed to trigger the emotions Hmm. the survival instinct emotions yeah uh, in a a part of our brain so Mm -hmm. i think people are more reactive to with our emotion to think with our emotions yeah um, not that it's a bad thing, not that it's a bad thing, it's a very powerful thing, but I think over time it's creating these negative societal patterns um, that right mm-hmm. now it's hard to say bad or good, but I surely think it's unhealthy mm-hmm. yeah. um, so I'm, I'm trying to become a more more of a cal- um uh, dialogue starter yeah in that sense yeah. um, but to start a dialogue. You know, requires empathy and courage yeah. and these other skills that we all need to evolve first, right? To, you yeah. know, to get there. Otherwise, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said people can follow you on Instagram handle. What What is your handle? And
1: uh <laughs> yeah, Devin underscore Andy. I think yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we'll have it in there. We'll have it in there uh, when, when when we post this. Um, and then also you can, uh, you could also follow uh, what the Waco, Waco cha- cha. is, it, is just
1: Waco shop?
0: Waco underscore uh, shop. And if you go through Waco, you can uh, go get a drink there. Um, but yeah, thanks again so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule, Devin. I'm sure that we'll definitely have you on here again to drop more knowledge and experience on us. Um, God bless and take care, man. thank you so much for chilling today at the third culture kingdom that was a lot of good stuff in there and i hope you set a bit of time out to reflect and think about the relationships and communities you're a part of i hope they become more connected and fruitful than ever before you can hear and connect more with devin on ig at devin underscore andy and at waco underscore cha c-h-a To keep up with us and the pod, you can visit our IG, Facebook, and website at Third Culture Kingdom. That's all from me today, folks. This is your host, David Huang, signing off. Grace and peace to you.